0: Welcome into this Five Clubs Conversation. I'm Gary Williams. When she was playing, she was absolutely one of my favorites. And her last competitive stroke was to win the Solheim Cup. That was in 2019. I'm talking about Suzanne Pedersen. She won 15 times on the LPGA Tour, seven additional wins on the L.E.T., two-time major champion. In my time covering the game of golf, there have been a handful of players that I felt their entire time in the throes of trying to be great that they were redlining virtually the whole time and when she walked away from the game She talked about that that once she knew that she was going to have a child Like everything changed the way that she thought about the game the way that she thought about her life Her life now obviously is very different But she's putting herself right back in the middle of it as the captain of the European Solheim Cup team Not only this coming fall But then again next year, like why are they doing this back-to-back? Does she like that idea? Her career, her life now, and that last putt, if it didn't go in, would she still have walked away? All of that coming up on this Five Clubs Conversation. Today's Five Clubs Conversation is brought to you by Golf Pride. Golf Pride knows that a grip isn't only a grip. It's the one piece of equipment in your hands on every single shot. You might not know it, but it has a huge impact on your game. In fact, Golf Pride recently conducted a first-of-its-kind study showing the impact of worn versus new grips. It showed that on average, a focused group of adept golfers gained an extra two yards of carry when they played with new grips. So what are you waiting for? Refresh your grips, refresh your game. Visit GolfPride.com today to learn more. Golf Pride, respect the grip. And with that, we welcome in the Solheim Cup captain for Europe, Suzanne Pedersen. It's good to see your face. How you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, you know, it's it's. Um, I said this in the Open. Um, you're one of my favorite people because when I when I was covering the sport on an everyday basis not that i'm not doing it now there were certain people that just totally committed and you were that um and i look at you now and yeah there's a golf bag in the backdrop and you're you're immersed in the process of constructing a team soon enough but how about life how is life
1: life after golf is actually fantastic uh it's hard to believe when you're right in the bubble and golf is everything in your life but i guess having kids is uh, one other aspect Uh, it kind of (laughs) puts golf on on the second uh, second tier um but um you know i really enjoy myself i enjoy being back in norway raising the family two kids one dog a husband uh full household uh, literally every day uh, there's no there's no protocol of how the word the day kind of starts and ends so every day is a little different but um we're hanging in there uh I feel like we're starting to get over the hurdle with uh, the smallest girl being almost two years old so we're getting there
0: um I'm gonna read to you some of your words because the letter you wrote to Herman before he was born was very revealing about about, the commitment you made. So here are some of your words. My identity was linked to my job, how I played, how my practice sessions went on a particular day, um, how many putts I made or missed. All of that affected my moods, my priorities, my relationships, and most of my decisions. I was was to some degree selfish, which I considered a prerequisite for success. none of that stuff surprises me at all how far removed are you from thinking that way now
1: you know it's um it's, a, it's quite an interesting kind of topic because when you're right in the middle of your career um you're living in a bubble um you don't realize it uh when you're there but now in retrospect i can actually look back and kind of see everything from the outside um you come to realize what a bubble, uh, you live in. I mean, you're living, a you're living the dream. You get to do what you love the most. Uh, all decisions you're taking is kind of literally how you can become a better golfer. Um, you're very selfish on kind of who you surround yourself with, where you practice, uh, how you kind of treat yourself, what you eat. Uh, everything is with the purpose of becoming a better golfer. Uh, now uh, I look back and I can, even I can actually say, I wish I maybe was nicer to myself, uh, kinder in a way. Um, because when you actually do well, uh, treat yourself, like, give yourself a tap of clap on the shoulder. Uh, because obviously in golf, you lose more than you win. Um, that's obvious. Um, but I kind of wish I was a little bit more relaxed. But at the same time, I think my DNA was kind of very hard, very structured, uh, very egocentric. Uh, And I think that was a part of uh, who I was as a golfer, but I also think it made me the player I became. So um, when I talk to all these players that are currently playing, and I would, I mean, to some of the European players that know me quite well, and I would go, hey, stop it. It's just another tournament. It's just another shot. Who cares? I mean, it's not life or death. Uh, there's always next week. And they're like, and this comes from you? <laughs> they <laughs> literally don't believe it. But, I mean, I, I mean, even though I was very tough and hard on the golf course, I was uh, fairly relaxed once I got my golf shoes off, even back in my heyday. And uh, that's pretty much who I am today, though. Uh, so I'm, I'm a lot more laid back and people ask, how are you going to kind of captain the, the European team? Are you going to be kind of the, the one you were as a player? I don't think so. Uh, I have no control, so I, I can't do that. So uh, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it kind of feels nice. Uh, I don't have to have sleepless nights or trying to figure out my golf swing or holes that I'm playing in the next day that I have nightmares about or, you know, every bad routine as a golfer uh, everyone goes through.
0: Uh, you mentioned DNA. When you were growing up, having brothers, do you think your brothers instilled in you a competitiveness, or do you think you were predisposed to be the way that you became?
1: No, uh, um, I definitely feel like it was it was part of my childhood being the third out of three kids and the youngest, and I can definitely see that now in my my own kids. The, the the second one she doesn't take no for an answer uh, and every day is she's trying to kind of reach up to to Herman's kind of uh, skill level or trying to outdo him in every sense of the way so I think it kind of comes natural um, if you have it or not uh, and out of the two kids I have I think uh, if I had to put my money on who's going to become a golfer it's the youngest one wow I can already tell She already has it. She has like, she's more interested in ball swinging. She's like, she's got it. But um, the competitiveness, I think it really comes kind of with your upbringings and kind of with your surroundings as well.
0: I I know that you'll support anything that your kids want to do. Um, If your daughter does pursue golf, um, you know, look, there's a, there's a great deal of reward that can come from it. And I'm not talking about the financial part of it. I'm talking about relationships and, and and you know the success of achievement and all that stuff. Is there anything about it that you would have misgivings about?
1: No, not really. I just, I mean, you can kind of uh, try and guide your kids into what you would love them to do, but at the same time, they did, it would have to come from their heart. Uh, my oldest, he's a skier. He's already kind of following his dad's footsteps. So I kind of lost that battle Uh, (laughs) um, but uh, you know what I think there's so many so many great things about just doing sports in general uh, in your childhood I think it's good to do a little bit of everything in the beginning and then maybe if you're really good if you're very talented in in one sport I mean you should probably spend more time doing that one sport um, eventually but I think it's a very good balance to do a little bit of everything um i mean everything from gymnastics to football to ice hockey skiing golf tennis i mean expose them to everything Uh, let them try and uh, they'll they'll figure it out
0: yeah i i i totally agree with that philosophy there was a one of my favorite books is a book called range um and it's about how generalists can thrive in a specialized world in the first chapter is about the different upbringings of Roger Federer and Tiger Woods, and that Tiger was very singularly focused on, on golf, uh, and there was not much, not that he did not know other things, he ran track, but but that Federer and his parents, his, his parents let Roger decide what he wanted to do. And, like, his, his own tennis instructors wanted him to move up in age, at an early age, because he was so good. And they said, well, we'll ask him what he wants. And what he wanted was to play with his friends and to kick the soccer ball around when tennis practice was over. And look, obviously it worked out exceptionally well for both, but I do believe that let, let the kids find the focus when the focus is the right time. And you agree with that.
1: I do, but I mean, I also have to say time has changed. And I think the, the, um, the way information flows through social media now um, kind of down to like the early ages, early teenagers, Stages, um, I think. I mean, you can just. I think the information of skill, skills, uh, comes down earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at, I mean, the biggest sports in in the world. I mean, soccer, football, tennis. Um, it's like. The world number ones, they're just getting younger and younger. Yeah. I mean, look at tennis. I mean, US Open final a couple of years ago, an eighteen year old and a seventeen year old. Uh, look at all the Korean girls that we've seen on the LPGA for years. I mean, they are they're literally professionals from their thirteen. If you want to be the best in the world, whether you want it or not, you should probably BE MORE SPECIFIC in, IN HOW YOU SPEND YOUR TIME FROM AN EARLIER AGE, EVEN THOUGH I, IT'S not NOTHING THAT I WOULD ENCOURAGE, BUT IF, if, if THE KIDS REALLY WANT TO PURSUE SOMETHING, I'm, I WOULD BE ALL FOR FACILITATING FOR THEM TO KIND OF BECOME AS GOOD AS THEY WANT, BUT IT WOULD HAVE TO COME FROM THEM AND NOT FROM YOU AS A PARENT.
0: Um, the COMPETING IS AN INTERESTING THING, AND I ALWAYS THOUGHT THAT YOU LOVED THE COMPETITION, BUT IT'S ONE THING TO LOVE IT WHEN IT'S OVER upon reflection and go, Guy, that was a lot of fun. Was it fun in the middle of it?
1: I really enjoyed it. Um, but I also must say what I miss the most now, um, and probably what I love the most uh, when I was right in the middle of it, it was kind of the process, building up to kind of big weeks, like everyday work. Like every hour, every minute you put in to kind of your practice to whatever you did uh that's kind of the structure in your everyday life that's kind of what i missed and that's kind of what makes you good uh you just make sure you cover every aspect you have a plan on what to practice at what time how much or you need to work on your short game and you do these tweaks with your coach and like the small kind of um the small tweaks every day and the important kind of decisions you take every day, uh, to kind of, that will make the bigger picture. That's kind of what I love the most. Um, but that's also where all the frustration was, uh, everyone who plays golf knows, uh, the body feels different. Every single day you wake up one morning feeling like a million dollar. And the next day you feel like you never touched a golf club before. And even as a professional, uh, we have days like that, um, and sometimes you have it and you feel like nothing could ever change it. And two weeks later, you don't even know where to, how to find the fairway. And kind of the process of keeping the structure, keeping that flow, keeping the consistency, uh, week in, week out, month after month, year after year. I think that's kind of what drove me. Um, and that's also why I was probably so hard on myself, because I was always looking ahead and never really looked backwards. Um, for the good or the bad Um, so uh, yeah I love the competition but the competition was always great fun if you knew you were prepared it's like going out for an exam if you've done your work you're prepared you can't wait for the paperwork to come and come in come in your hands and if you haven't done your homework uh, you're just terrified Um, so um, I didn't have too many of those terrified moments standing on the first day not feeling like I wasn't prepared but there were days where, you're like, you just had to f- play with whatever you had that day. And uh, I have to say, I probably played more rounds with, like, a B game rather than my A game. Uh, but that was fun as well.
0: You know, look, great players, and you were obviously a great player. You know, Jack Nicklaus has said it. Tiger has said it. Jack said, look, I, I won 18 majors. I might have been really at my best maybe a third of those times. Maybe, um, which, again, is, is, is such an extraordinary thing about the game that you gotta, You got to manage what you have because there is no reliance on others. I mean, it's, and that's when it just comes down to you. That's why, obviously, achievement could be, you know, so personally rewarding. Did you compare yourself to other people starting at an early age or did you just try to compare yourself against what you thought were reasonable expectations for yourself?
1: Well, I always looked at the, the better players and I love kind of digging in in their heads. Uh, I was fortunate enough to kind of uh, get to know Annika quite well. Uh, not only from kind of a competitive uh, side, but also more on a friendly side. And obviously I got to compete with her alongside her in the Solheim. And that's kind of really when I started to kind of dig into her brain, what she was thinking, kind of where she was at. And i learned so much from that and that's something i would never have been able to read in a book uh, just to be next to her kind of in her decision making knowing what she's thinking like her kind of uh, attitude uh, all those aspects and i always had a lot of fun practicing and getting to know tiger uh, during his prime he lived in orlando i lived in orlando and I was terrified first time I met him because I was like, I have to use this opportunity for what it's worth. I don't know if I will ever meet him again. So, I mean, obviously, I was prepared. I had tons of questions and I was curious about his work ethic, how he was always so sharp, like teeing off, like only playing 14 events a year. And he, every time he showed up, he was so sharp. And um, But at the same time, I think the best players also enjoy spending time with people that want to be better and kind of challenge themselves so uh, one thing led to another so i mean i spent hours practicing with tiger and i learned a lot from him as well so i was never scared of walking up to like whoever had the best short game on the lpga standing next to her like asking questions understanding Uh, knowledge for me was always uh, the priority like if you have the knowledge and you understand it I mean, build your own library, and at the end of the day, on the golf course, you're on your own. The bigger that library is for you to make the right decision, most likely the better golf you're gonna play. So that's kind of that was kind of a little bit of my philosophy, and um, I still think uh, whatever you do, always reach out a hand to people that you know are better than you. Um, so um, I think that's always gonna help you.
0: Yeah, you know, I I've shared this. Periodically, one of my favorite sayings is that we don't we don't rise to the occasion, we fall to the level of our training, and it's reflected in the results. I mean, it, you can say, well, you know, they were good in the moment; they were prepared for the moment, um, you know. And that's Tiger. It's interesting you mentioned him and Annika. Let me get you. Let me get your thought on seeing him still trying to do this, and now he's had a he's an he's had another procedure. I personally think. And it's not about his. It's not about it being the benchmark. Him making cuts at majors, to him, I think it's a mile marker. Like, okay, I, I can, I could, I did that. Now on to the next. And I, I do think it's part of the process. Did you watch the Masters at all? And if you did, did you see uh, him kind of laboring around, just and making another cut? Um, to get to this point where he is right
1: now. I think it's more stubbornness that gets him there, uh, and I mean, yes, obviously, even I would love for him to go out and win another Masters. If it's that realistic, I'm not too sure. Uh, if everyone else plays their A game, I don't know if if he's still got it. I like, I, but I mean, really, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I mean, we were all wrong, like when you want me
0: too, uh, me too. Uh,
1: Not too many years ago, but at the same time, I don't know, Uh, but I was always surprised. I mean, I remember back in, I think it was like 2007, 2008, almost right before his uh, kind of life collapsed a little bit and he he kept talking about like how bad his short game was and I'm like, what do you mean your short game? Even if you have your, your C game, you're way better than anyone else any given day and he's like, but that's not good enough for me i want to get better and that's kind of that's what champions are made of um it, it's it, only they can tell uh if they're satisfied if they're uh happy with where they're at um and i was a little bit like that as well i mean when you did get injured i mean it's 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 amazing how quickly your brain kind of reverts and all of a sudden your next kind of small baby step goal is like how to be injury free as soon as you can, how you can do that process as good and, uh, and relentless uh, kind of work to kind of get back to where you want to be. And um, I just really hope he's happy doing what he's doing, uh, because it seems like a lot of work uh, and a lot of effort for not really achieving what he really wants to achieve. I'm not sure. I hope I'm wrong. But that's
0: kind of what it looks like. You know, Suzanne, I, I wrote about this last week. That uh, look, there are geniuses in in the arts, in music, in sports. He's a genius, um, and and genius is not always tidy. Uh, it's not intended to be pretty. And I think when you're a genius, there can be torment that is associated with measuring yourself against yourself, and and. Uh, do, did you think during those times when he was, like you mentioned, 2007, 2008, did he enjoy the, the the accomplishment because he was achieving more than anybody else? Was he satisfied or was there little satisfaction that came with all that he was doing?
1: I don't know. It's, I mean, I can only, uh, I remember I was at his house and I remember reading Rory's uh, quotes. Uh, I think it was probably around the Masters when Rory went to his house and, like, he walked into the to the entry and here was, like, his, like, trophy shelf was the few majors and none of the other trophies were ever to be seen. And I remember the same, and, like, I walked in. I mean, like, the the one major was sitting next to the TV, one was here, and then and I asked, where's the rest? He's like, I don't care. Like, the only thing that he cared about was the majors. And uh, so um, I think... Uh, I think he's, what I think he is, I think he just wants to stay somehow competitive to get ready for the seniors, um, if his body would heal up and kind of be ready to go in, 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 in those few years uh, that's left of uh, his waiting game, but I, th- I think maybe that's where his mind is at. Uh, he just wants to be around the game, play competitive, kind of test his game, uh, and then hopefully enjoy some, some good years on the seniors play
0: with his buddies, enjoy it, and, yeah, I don't know. You, you, Annika, um, Annika, she does it a handful of times a year. That's how many events there are. She's playing in these celebrity events, and she's playing against elite athletes who, who excelled at other sports. They're good players. I've played with some of them. They're very good. Most of them are younger than her. Are you surprised she's doing this?
1: I actually played with her in Portugal in uh, end of January. I mean it depends on the occasion, but the event we play was like a pro am celebrity thing. Yes. And it's amazing, like when you're right there in the in the surroundings, you kind of all of a sudden you get right into the bubble, you go to the range to warm up. And I'm like, why am I going to the range to warm up? I don't know. I'm, i might waste all the good shots. I don't know what to work on. I was like <laughs> they were all standing there. It was like oh, rain. it was Annika, it was like tons of great players. And Annika was yeah, she was just the way she's always been, you know. She had changed part grip because she, she kind of felt like she had the yips. And I'm like, yeah, nothing changes. you. kind of constantly grinds and grinds. And But I think uh, it's, you know what, that's what we've done our entire life. I don't think we know anything else. Uh, and I, I can put myself right in that bubble as well. After three days of spending time with like pro golfers, ex golfers, great players. Maybe all we were thinking about is how do we could score two or three or four shots better every day. It's like we're all brain damaged for
0: life. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I like you know when you were saying how Tiger, you know, he's going to play this senior tour, and I agree with you. I think he will. Like every great player talks about, oh, I'm never going to be a ceremonial golfer. I'm never going to do that. The hell you aren't. It's that's what you do. They all do it. Jack did it. Arnold was always going to play golf until. You know, you you were around him. I mean, nobody loved golf more than he did. And Annika, she just, I mean, and she's, here's the other thing, Suzanne, that she's, she's like really animated now, where she used to be so subdued and serene. Now she's like pumping up the crowd. It's like, who is this person? Yeah.
1: But I also think, I um, I also think that Will, her son, is so into the game. Yep. Uh, fire her up even more Uh, and she really enjoys kind of sharing kind of her world uh, with one of her kids that are really falling in love with the game so I think that also helps from her side or I think that's kind of a huge kind of um, leading star for her um, to be able to go out and kind of practice hit balls and share experiences with the with him I am So I mean, uh, life changes, you know. Uh, golf is might not be the most important thing, but there's so many great values in golf that you would love to kind of uh, pass on to your kids or to your to your loved ones. So uh, yeah.
0: You um, one of the last times I was around you was at Brad and Billy's great charity event that they would have every year in Rhode Island. Um, and you were you were dating your now husband at the time, but I always felt, and I went there every year. Like, total, you were so comfortable around the guys. Um, and, and, you know, look, that's not, that's not, a, that's not a given. Um, you're not spending a lot of time around, you know, a lot of male professional golfers. You mentioned, you know, being in Orlando, when Orlando was kind of a hotbed for tour players, you were. Where, where does that come from? Is that because you had brothers? Or you just, you know, you like being around the guys?
1: Uh, I've always been a tomboy. Um, always, um, uh, and I still enjoy being around, uh, my husband's bodies, you know, they're, uh, less drama,
0: easy. A lot less drama,
1: you talk it out, uh, you fight <laughs> it out, you play it out, whatever. Uh, uh, it's probably part of my childhood, uh, having dealt with two older brothers and all their friends and, um. Like I said, oh, and I always like, especially in golf, uh, where obviously they're gonna hit the ball further than us. They play longer courses. They might play a tougher kind of pin placements. I love those aspects. I mean, when I was in Orlando practicing, I, I played from the very back because I thought if I can manage to get around the course from what 7,400. It's gonna feel like a piece of cake when you come and play sixty six hundred in the U.S. Open somewhere down along the along the way. So I always looked at it as a benefit. I mean, if the guys were hitting a wedge, I might have hit four on. Who cares? I mean, and then he hit it close, and that was a big gem. So uh, small small celebrations. Um,
0: let's talk about the Solheim Cup because it's it's a big part of of you know your body of work your presence on that team from a rookie to the touchstone of, of, I think, the entire organization of European Solheim Cup to obviously the last moment. But I want to go back to 2002 um, in the Michelle Redmond singles match, um, which drew a smile from you, which I appreciate. Um, when you're five down, you're done. I mean, come on, you're, you're, you're more than done. Why were you not done?
1: I don't know. Um, I think it's just my competitiveness never to give up. And I and I remember Annika was either in front of me or behind me. Um, and she was kind of, I, I think I was kind of, I guess I was looking at the leaderboard and I could see she was kind of back and forth. She was fighting and she was, she, it, it was looking like she was turning her match around and I don't know if that gave me the sparks uh, that, okay, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give in. There's always opportunities. And that's kind of the one thing I learned from her. Uh, you fight until there's no more holes to be played. Uh, and uh, that was kind of my start or kick kickstart into the, to the life of the Solheim and everything that that had to kind of uh, uh, give us. Uh, and uh, it was like playing at the highest level, uh, the biggest stage uh, and learning to love how to handle it. Uh, so like, that was kind of my first kind of learning experience. And uh, from then on, I just really fell in love with the with the, with the the format, the team aspect and kind of, uh, and I also I remember like the level of golf that's played at the Solheim and the Ryder Cup, it's unbelievable. Everyone just rises to the occasion and Puts are made from, like, I mean, if you've made as many putts as you do in a solam, you'll probably, I don't know what your stroke average would be a year. But it's just amazing how uh, it just the entire atmosphere just brings the best out of pretty much everyone.
0: When, you, when you're doing something in such a singular way as you did, and then you have that experience for the first time, did you surprise yourself that you loved it so much to, to give of yourself to other people? To share to be accountable to be vulnerable, did that surprise you?
1: no no I don't think so because I love uh, you're never going you're not gonna get to to the world number one on your own uh, and here you, you kind of teamed up with good friends you got to know good players and uh, sitting here today I mean I have uh, great friends for life through Kind of what we've experienced and uh, rides we've shared uh, and journey uh, journeys that's been kind of created along the way on the golf course uh, with a win or a loss. I mean, it doesn't really matter the outcome. It's more the process. You're in it together, uh, and that's kind of I think what unites, uh, especially the European players, um, so well. And um, I've been fortunate enough to to be able to talk to a lot of past captains, both Solheim's and Ryder Cups, and um, um uh, we're all in it for the same reason. Uh, we just love competing and we love going out there to fight for one another.
0: The, um, the, the last Solheim Cup for you as a player in 2019, I, I, I want to know whether you think that would have happened if 2018 didn't turn out the way that it did. Because you wrote at that time, you wrote, once it became obvious that I was going to take the full year off, it was like a weight had been lifted off my chest. It was that moment I realized what an insular insular bubble, as you've talked about, I'd been living in for 20 years. Did that perspective give you the drive to try to do it one more time the following year? No, but it was more like,
1: I was always curious. This is this is where it comes down again, like uh, champions or tough competitors. You always question yourself, can you get back to, to the highest level? Can you put in the work? Can you put in the hours? Uh, are you still managed to pull off uh, a high cut, you know, uh, when it really matters? Can you pull off that massive draw? Where you need to get another six six yards out of it uh, on the par five on 18 to Eagle to win at the last? I mean, and all these question, all these questions, that, I mean, obviously, I was thinking about it. Uh, I was like, do I still have it? I mean, even though after having a child, I'm like everything can be out of me, uh, and I was curious. And uh, I remember when I started practicing, and I was really gearing up uh, to play that Dow Great Lakes Bay Invitational, which was co- was my first event back in 2019 after what uh, 10, well, 15 years, uh, 15 months break. And I remember standing on the range at Bay Hill, and I mean, obviously, had been a lot of frustration you know when you start to like it's so much hard work to kind of get the timing to get the finesse to get the feeling all of a sudden you start you're starting flushing it and I remember like flush it once flushed it twice and I kind of looked around no one there to see it or watch it I'm like am I just dreaming or can I still do this and that's kind of when I started to kind of get the sparks again and I'm like shoot this is fun like one great shot makes up for the last thousands that felt like shit and that's kind of uh so i think when i said it was more relief more than kind of obviously it was fun and exciting and all that but when i made that final part or like the the final stretch uh kind of that back nine on the sunday when it was like literally europe had to win whatever last three or four matches to win or It felt, it was nerve wracking and I remember talking to myself walking up the 18th fairway and like I'm getting too old for this because I'm getting gray hairs just kind of thinking about this and um, so to to kind of deliver and kind of execute what you've been dying to do one more time at the highest level uh, that, that work was so hard that when I finally did it was more like you lifted everything off my shoulder and I'm like you know what? Uh, Been there, done that. I proved to myself that I managed to get myself back here, um, and that was kind of enough for me. Uh, but at the same time, knowing your your game is still good enough to compete at the highest level, uh, people are like, so why did you give up? They're like you could have like a second run. I'm like, but it doesn't matter if I had another win, another medal, or it, it, it doesn't make life or life any better or worse. Uh, when it comes to that, then you've lost it. Uh, then the edge is gone. Um, if uh, if you don't really, if it's not life or death, if you kind of finish first or third, uh, then I think uh, over a longer period of time, you're probably not going to be able to, to sustain that level.
0: The, the putt you made in 2019 against Marina Alex um, will go down as one of the great putts um, whether it's team golf or just golf. Uh, And a lot of it has to do with the context of the putt because you said immediately afterwards, nothing will ever beat this. So I think we can just say enough is enough. I think it's interesting that you use the word we and not, not I can say enough is enough. We your, your husband was in your life. You had a child. We matters to me. There's a profound part of you using that word and, and he ran onto that green, as did a sea of other people. If the putt doesn't go in, in is it still over?
1: You know what, Gary? I really don't have to answer that question. Because <laughs> thank God I don't have to answer that question, because from what I know, it's still going in.
0: Uh, it will always I, go in.
1: I don't know this was not a decision made like days in advance I mean nobody knew this this was like an instant uh mic drop that it was it just felt right uh there and then uh, and I have had no regrets in the aftermath of it so I think it was the right call
0: yeah uh, look I can tell for people who can't see her um you you look you look great and obviously it looks like um, by all accounts, it does, it, it, it does agree with everything that you've done in the aftermath of it. The taking on the responsibility is of no surprise to anybody that you're going to captain the team. Doing it two years in a row, God, this is a hell of a task to do this. There's a lot of detail. There's a lot of tedium, I'm sure, associated with this. Zoom calls out the ass, I'm sure, uh, here, there, and everywhere. Why do it twice
1: well, it kind of makes sense in this term because uh, we're obviously playing in September in yep. Spain and then it's August again back in uh, in the US. So for either team, uh, Stacey or myself, to kind of, or for, some, for a new one to pop in and do everything in 11 months, it doesn't make sense. Uh, so that was kind of the, the gig from, from the beginning of when they asked me to do it. They said, Suzanne, uh, we would love for you to captain. But most likely, it looks like it would be two two goals in 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 a go, two goals in a row. And I said, I'm fine with that uh, because um, I think it's too hard for someone to come in and build a brand new team. And uh, but I must say, uh, it's uh, there's a different part of being a captain. Uh, I must say, it's a lot easier just being a player, show up, uh, play your heart out, and leave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but I'm enjoying this. It's obviously a new part and I'm learning a lot. And, um, but, uh, and it was, uh, last, um, the last Solheim in, uh, 2021, 20, uh, yes. uh, I mean, uh, it was a little different atmosphere. Obviously it was very few Europeans there, but to stand on that first D, not to be nervous, not to have any adrenaline, like, like that felt different. It felt kind of nice. Uh, I've been studying enough on that first day, having my heart almost up my throat, uh, not knowing how to kind of find the fairway. And um, like I've said in the previous interviews, so like, yeah, I mean, uh, being a captain is great, but once the players go out on the course, I have no control. I mean, they're, they are in charge. They know what to do. They play the best golf. Uh, so hopefully I can just facilitate the team, uh, the surroundings of the team, and make every player kind of uh, yeah, kind of rise to the occasion within themselves. Uh, and that's all I can do. I mean, win or lose. You win, you're here. You lose, you're... You could have done everything different. And you have to be prepared for that. But at the same time, um, to just sit on that golf cart having uh, no... I can't control anything of the outcome. So um I just have to kind of rest to peace with that and um uh, from then on I'm very happy with it.
0: That that's that's an absolute irrefutable truth that you can't control anything, but it doesn't mean that I can't ask you what good leadership looks like. What what is what did it look like in the past to you or sound like to you?
1: Well, I feel a uh, I myth. Mean, I'm always trying to create some of my own DNA to kind of my captaincy but at the same time you can only be yourself and I think Beanie wasn't a great example of uh, she was easy uh, to be around as a player as a vice captain as a team helper I think Catherine Matthew did a fantastic job as a captain and she was just herself I mean she was not in like winded up, she wasn't low, she wasn't high, I mean, she was very even uh, emotionally, which made her very approachable um, and I take a lot from that uh, and I think if I can obviously bring some of the adrenaline, the fire that kind of I had as a player, uh, I'm sure I'm going to bring some parts of that, but at the same time, I want the players to be involved with decisions that I make or that we make as a captain's uh, captaincy team uh, I want them to be part of it. I want them to be part of the communication. Um, there's been previous Solheims where I feel communication has been very uh, bad. Uh, you know, you get to know the pairing or you, at the opening ceremony, uh, kind of as a surprise. Uh, I want the players to take ownership. Uh, and I think that's what kind of... Uh, uh, they will play better, uh, feeling like they're more part of it. So that's kind of my philosophy, and then we'll see how it turns out. But um, that's how I'm trying to map this out.
0: You know, I, certain players, and, and I know that you want to have a lot that, that exhibit this, comfort and confrontation. You know, team golf and playing and match play, it's different. I mean, it's, it, it can get uncomfortable. Um, and you look historically – you thrived in it. Um, Christy Kerr, Dottie Pepper, Julie Inkster, Annika, Lanny Watkins, Paul Azinger, Seve. Not everybody's wired to deal with what is like full contact golf. How no, will you, not. I mean, how will you know if you've got enough of those?
1: I know. I know my players. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. I, have a good, uh, I have some really good horses, I would say. Uh but I, that's also one thing that I kind of been observing, kind of uh, in 2017 when my back went and I couldn't play, and I kind of swapped positions with uh, with Beanie when she kind of took my playing spot, and I kind of became kind of part of Annika's team. I was more an observer, and um, I got to kind of see some of the players from kind of a little different angle. Uh, and I gotta tell you, you, you see straight away if the players have it in their eyes, in their spark, and just by the look you know if they got it like you don't have to a word doesn't have to be said they get it uh, and that's i mean i gotta say it's so fun to see like these youngsters who come up now the the rookies i mean who i mean i rather have seven rookies on my team who kind of they don't care who they play i mean they have no like they go out there and they're they play their heart out and they they do everything to win uh, obviously in good manners but uh, rather have that than uh, experience that might be half half full tank I don't know I mean these young players are so good um uh, and I really admire watching them and getting to know them it's it's been a it's been a fun process up until now and uh we have some really good talent coming up on the European side so maybe not all of them will show here in Spain in September this year but it will definitely be interesting to see how they kind of Kind of pursue their career of the next one, two, three, four years uh, because there are some really good golfers starting to starting to shine.
0: Yeah, I I I think the rookie thing, the idea that you know they look these these kids, men and women, they're so damn good, so young now. Uh, and it's been proven, you know, you're on the European side. I remember when Charlie Hull was playing Paula Creamer, and, and she was, you know, again, she was on phase. Yeah. She did. She find the moment to be huge. Yeah. But, but handled it. Carolina Headwall. I mean, I, I and go on. I mean, these Sergio in 1999 at 19, some people are just, they're, they're comfortable in these enormous moments. I will say this one last thing on the Solheim cup. The fact that you're going to do it in the States, I'm I'm glad you are, because, you know, you devoted your life to playing the game and living in this country for a long time. And there are a lot of people uh, who think the role of you and the fact that you're going to have this additional big week and a huge role, uh, I know you're excited about that, are you not?
1: I am. I'm very thrilled. I'm happy to – it's not given when you're kind of given the captaincy that you're going to do it on – only, I mean, you can't really pick uh, soil. Just, you just you take what you're given. Um, but I'm happy to do it, and I'm very happy that I'm doing it up against Stacey. I mean, Stacey and I have had a very similar career paths. We're almost the same age. Uh, We're both moms. Uh, we kind of um, we've had a lot of uh, great uh, fights uh, up against each other. Um, so I mean, that's also fun. You're doing it with kind of uh, someone who's kind of been there along the way with you. Um, so, uh, but I, I mean, I can't wait. And uh, I can't wait for the week to start in Spain. Uh, there's a lot of golf still to be played for the team to be decided before then. But um, it will be fun. I can't wait.
0: Let me get you out of here with these five quick questions. The the golf course you enjoyed playing more than any other in your career that you miss now.
1: I thought... Um, Oh, uh, blank. Um, In Pittsburgh,
0: you have. Well, there was Oakmont. Oakmont. Oakmont was one of the. (laughs) The 2010 U.S. Women's Open that Paula won.
1: I was like, Paula Creamer hadn't played for like four months. She was out with a thumb injury and (laughs) she beat me by one or two strokes. But I, I gotta say, it was one of the courses I really enjoyed playing. I think it was tough, fair, but it was a fantastic, uh, fun golf course to play. St. So Andrews is always very special, but Oakmont was um, by far one of my favorites.
0: Yeah, not surprised you'd pick a place like that. It's like harder than Chinese arithmetic like, <laughs> while also getting like hit in the head. Um, yeah. It's a great, great place. All right, the activity you share with Christian, your husband, that he's actually better at than you.
1: Skin.
0: Okay. Uh, the American guilty pleasure you miss most? I don't
1: know. The open stores on Sundays.
0: <laughs> it's pretty easy though. <laughs> okay. Okay. I thought it would be a food item, but, but you are more practical than that. All right. What, yeah. is, your, what is your favorite sound?
1: When the kids sleep, nothing. I, I, I absolutely. Yeah, when I can drop a needle.
0: That That is, as, as the parent of little children, as you are right now, um, that is the best sound. Yeah. Nighttime silence. All right, last one. <laughs> the job or occupation you think you would have been good at? I
1: think... I have always said it because I love the body and I love kind of using the body. But I've always said it since I was, uh, since, since many years ago, if I hadn't become a golfer, I think I would have been like some kind of physiotherapist or osteopath uh, working a bit with athletes or working with people who really wants to get somewhere in life. Um, uh, I think that's, uh, I really have an interest in that.
0: You would have been good at that. All right, I'm gonna leave you with your own words. You just tell me if this is still true. It's just very nice to not wake up having an agenda. It's nice to not wake up any mornings feeling guilty that you haven't practiced, that you haven't done enough. Question if you're prepared, are you ready? I don't have to do any of that anymore and those emotions are gone. That's true, the only thing,
1: I still like to wake up knowing that I have an agenda. (laughs) <laughs> but everything else is uh, spot on. Uh,
0: again, for those folks who, who can't see you, you look great. Um, I'm so glad I was able to catch up with you. Uh, excited for the opportunities ahead of you, you and your team in Spain, and then coming over to the States uh, short of a year's time after that. Thanks so much for doing this.
1: And thanks for having me. I always enjoyed this talking to you and spending time with you, Gary. So uh, all the best. Uh, hopefully we'll uh, see each other soon enough. Thank you. Thank you. See ya.
0: Really appreciate Suzanne taking the time. You know, I think this about great athletes. There's only so much fuel in the tank. And if you idle a lot, maybe you can sustain it longer. The fact that she burned as bright and as hot as she did for as long as she did tells you that she was different. And she will be a great captain no matter what the results are for Europe over the next two Solheim Cups. Really appreciate her. Most importantly, appreciate all of you out there watching and listening to this Five Clubs Conversation. We got a ton coming up because Webb Simpson's going to be in the studio soon enough with Johnson Wagner and Brendan Young. I know Sam Bennett. The U.S. Amateur Champion, you guy who finished in the top 20 at the uh, Masters, is going to be with Emma Carpenter coming up. And then we're going to have a ton of guys that are going to be joining us during the week of Wells Fargo. That You're going to see those interviews uh, coming up over the next month or so. So a lot going on here at Five Clubs. Again, thanks to you for listening and watching. We'll see you next time.